0: Welcome back. This week, another episode of Just Another Bozo on the Bus. I'm your host, Paul Randak. I want to welcome all my fellow Bozo listeners out there. Thank you for joining us, and thank you for your support. Um, quick update on a few things. Coming up next week, we have uh, the Bozo Roundtable um, with the pros from Dover, or the Bozos from Dover. Um, that's Corey Markovich. Robert Simpson and Brett Heiner will be here. The following week is Chris McIntosh from Turning Point Centers, and then the following week after that is Mandy Murray, and she will be here to talk about her new book that just came out, and a couple other things coming up. So uh, this week, um, I'm excited to welcome into the Bozo Bus... Just another bozo on the just bus. Um, a friend of mine who is uh, also a colleague, you probably hear me say that a lot, um, but uh, Stephen, Stephen Eck is someone, gosh, we'll probably know you, three years, I'm going to guess. Yeah, right that around, around, around just, there. Just a little over three years. Yeah, yeah. just a little over three years. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> Stephen, uh, Stephen's got a, a great story um, that he's going to be sharing us with us in just a moment. But as many of you have heard, a number of people come on here associated with uh, one of the treatment centers I work at, or the the primary treatment center, Wasatch Recovery, and uh, Stephen is a staff there. And uh, doing that reach out to help other people uh, that are trying to change their lives as well. And also, uh, you're involved with, I think something really important in the community is uh, sober softball. yeah yeah yeah. they run the alumni (laughs) softball team you 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 run the alumni yeah yeah right which is uh a a bit of a competitive team uh uh. yeah we try to be we try to be It can be a little frustrating at times but we we make jokes about (laughs) sometimes uh, the the competitiveness of softball but how important it is as far as creating community and and we can touch upon that because yeah. there, there's such a gift in there for people um and i know this winter that uh, a bunch of people have been playing volleyball too which is really helpful to get together on
1: yeah. Friday nights. So. yeah I, I set up that uh, another smaller alumni volleyball team for the winter time and so i think this year was just a a trial run a to trial see run? yeah and so i think we'll be better prepared for for next winter
0: all right all right Well, Stephen, thanks for joining me today. I really appreciate it, and I'm glad our listeners will get to to know you a little bit. Uh, So, you you can uh, give us a little background and history about yourself, and a little bit about your story, so we can uh, we can get to know you. Sure.
1: Um, See, I born and raised uh, here in Salt Lake uh, till about the age of sixteen. have two younger sisters one younger brother um growing up we had uh, uh some step-siblings that lived with us as well so that was an additional uh step and two step-brothers um i think there was nine of
0: us Together at one point, yeah, kind of a blended family situation, yeah. Uh, mine and ours, of, as far as the parents go,
1: yeah, yep. And so, there was like nine of us living in a four bedroom house, and we all had bunk beds. It was pretty, uh, pretty crowded, <laughs> to say the least. I can imagine, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, we, we ranged from let's see, I think there's an age difference of about 14 years from the oldest or 15 years from the oldest brother to the youngest sister. No,
0: that is that's that's pretty close actually. Yeah. Yeah. So for that for that many kids. Yeah. Yeah.
1: yeah.
0: So not 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 strange for uh, the uh, Utah <laughs> Yeah,
1: no kidding <laughs> <laughs> yeah, norm, right. Right? right? Even though that's changed quite a bit.
0: But you you know, we're going back a generation or two. So yeah. it, it it definitely uh, it's not quite as large as it used to be. The families are starting to get a little smaller right yeah.
2: anyway.
1: Yeah, that's what I've heard. Um, but kind of see, I excuse me. Um, yeah, I lived here till I was about sixteen, and then um, decided to move to Montana um, to get away from the lifestyle and the the way I was um, living as a young teenager. Um,
0: was this an LDS family that you you grew up in? Or, no, 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 Catholic. Catholic. Yeah, yeah.
1: Okay. Yeah, my whole family was uh, born and raised Catholic. My grandmother kinda kept that tradition going. Um she's worked at a Catholic high school for thirty eight years. Um, never missed a Sunday mass. So she's kinda trickled it all down to their siblings, but
0: uh uh-huh. so yeah, big big Catholic family. Um uh, uh, which is always you know, interesting. Um, I, where I, I grew up in the East Coast and there was a menagerie of different religions, Catholic being one of the, the more predominant ones. Um, but here it's a minority.
1: Yeah, yeah. definitely.
0: But, but not too far down. You got the Episcopalians and the Catholics, which <laughs> yeah. seem to be pretty. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> which, which seem to have similar, equal populations yeah. as far as followers go.
1: Not, not nearly as large as the LDS, but. No. Yeah, there's, there's a few of us running around.
0: Well, but that's changing too it is i think so yeah i think so so you moved up to montana
1: yeah uh yeah at 16 um went to school there for a minute um for about oh i'd say maybe half a year and then some of my old traits from living here just took it to montana and (laughs) <laughs> when You say
0: old, when you talking about old traits. What what are you talking about, Stephen?
1: Um, Drug use, <laughs> fighting, just wanting to uh-huh. party, not really wanting to grow up. Mm-hmm. Um,
0: did you move alone up there? Or did you move with any move
1: with um, some friends? Or so at at this point, my uh, my mom was going through a divorce, and then she was dating a um, a, a guy who was in the air force. He was a captain, oh. and he got stationed up there, <clears throat> and so I moved up there with him. So I mean him. Uh, Lived up there together for I don't know, about eight or nine months hmm. until my mom moved up and sold the house and did all that. So for for a little while it was just me and him, and he was only about eight years older than I was. So, so
0: he was eight years older than you.
1: I think so. Like eight, maybe 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 nine. Yeah, he was he was a little bit younger. Oh, so uh, a
0: little a little bit younger. Well, how old was your mom when she had you? Uh,
1: I think she was pregnant at seventeen and then had me at eighteen, I believe. Yeah, eighteen. Mm-hmm. So,
0: what's interesting is he's about the same age difference, you mm-hmm. know, right in the middle of you and your mom, it sounds like. Yeah, yeah,
1: <laughs> right in between. Yep. <laughs> so, but yeah, I moved up there with, with him and, and just attended high school for
0: a brief moment. And then... Um, so, you said you were already kind of partying when you went up there. About what, what age did that start? Partying up there or partying, or partying all Partying here, the- just generally when you first started.
1: Oh... Uh, I think the first time I smoked weed and started drinking was around the age 10. Yeah. So I was
0: fairly young. You're an early bloomer.
1: Yeah, I kind of just stumbled across it. I found a sack of weed behind a saver's parking lot kind of thing and didn't know what it was. But the buddy I was with, his parents smoked weed, so he knew what it would
0: look like. Oh, my gosh. So Found a bag of weed behind the Sabres. Yeah. But goes, hey, that's, that's, that's marijuana. Yeah. Okay. So I was like, oh, I know who to take that
1: to. And so I took it to a guy who lived down the street from us, and he uh-huh. rolled us a joint, and that was it. Off to the races? Off to the races from oh, that point on. Oh, my gosh. Oh my <laughs> actually, I think I actually smoked weed before I even drank. Mm. Um, and then once I experienced it, I kind of opened my... I used to like want to experience what else was out there, you know, with alcohol or other drugs, and so yeah, I started at a at a fairly early age, started skipping school in sixth grade, and yeah, just hmm. at an early age, started just getting into a lot a lot of trouble. Well, how were things at home during this time? I mean, I'm
0: I'm kind of curious.
1: At home, I think they were always a little rough between my. uh Uh, my stepdad Mm -hmm. and my little brother. Um, We were kind of looked on as not his own. So Mm -hmm. I think that a lot of the um, core issues that were going on with the house were directed towards my brother and myself. Mm. Um, Okay. You know, not not really a loving type family. There wasn't much affection towards my little brother and I. Um, And I think that's what we missed, and I think that's why we acted out as much as we did at a a young age
0: well sometimes when a a young mom and um, the the age difference not being so great you know your mom having you when you were young um, a lot of times a a new uh, man comes into the house and and (laughs) the the boys he can be jealous of the boys too obviously not a healthy dynamic and, and yeah, definitely not you know healthy for the kids.
1: I never even thought of it that yeah, way. I never even looked at it that, that you way. You know,
0: anything that takes mom's attention away from him. Yeah, and you know, I mean, of course, moms generally have a sense of wanting to take care of their kids. So yeah, that can that can create some tensions.
1: That makes sense. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah, so I think she's had a really. Early age, I think that's we were lashing out, or I was lashing mm-hmm. out. Give me some attention. Look at me, type, type behaviors, you uh-huh. know. But yeah. I think that's why
0: I did. Did you? How how soon after of uh, of that age did you start drinking?
1: Uh, I think I well, I was I was I think I was still ten when I started drinking again mm-hmm. or started to. But you know, I don't think it became uh, a real issue until I was maybe seventh grade so maybe 13 or so
0: okay and uh, when you say a
1: real issue what does that mean um well i don't drinking really wasn't a thing um at that point it was mainly just wanting to smoke weed uh-huh. smoked a lot of weed and so i think uh around seventh grade is when they they didn't really call your parents if you missed a class or you weren't in class that day so i skipped a lot of school and just was hanging out with friends at their houses and mm-hmm. just Smoked weed every day for all year long. I think my attendance for my seventh grade year was like thirteen percent or something like that. So,
0: well, <laughs> I never, never went to school. <laughs> you had a full time job. It was getting high. Yeah, yeah. That that doesn't exist anymore. If you're if you're not in school, they they track it and they. Oh, dude! They, they come. They come after the parents now. Yeah. Oh, that's good. Quickly. That's yeah. good. Yeah, you can't get away with the same stuff anymore. By <clears throat> like being it. a parent, I know that. Having <laughs> kids go through high school. Yeah, it's not. <laughs> that's good. Yeah,
1: I think that's something they
0: should have done a long Probably time. Probably done back then when right? yeah. I mean, you, you were. Yeah. All right. So you're up in Montana. You attend school part. You spent part of, part of the year, and then.
1: Yeah. So I, I, I went about maybe I don't know two semesters. Mm-hmm. Um, just still a lot of partying and stuff. Um, and then I was, uh, the turning point um, is I, I got, I was dating a girl who was 15 and I was 17. And in the state of Montana, you had to be 16 uh, to give legal consent for, you know, sexual relations. Mm-hmm. And uh, her uh, her father found out about it mm-hmm. and um, threatened to put, it's, it's kind of like a statutory rape charge. Mm-hmm. Um, I forget what the name was, but um, so he threatened to, you know, push rape charges on me um, at 17, and that kind of, you know, terrified me. I okay. bet. <clears throat> so I didn't want that, you know. That can go into your adult record, you know, and I didn't want anything like that. So I talked with my mom and my stepdad, and uh, you know, we decided it was best for me to drop out of school because Montana had a pretty—it's not very really big, so it's easy to run into people or go to. You know same school and not see each other so with the restraining and order and everything we just thought it was best i drop out
0: <laughs> so you, but you your parents are supporting you and dropping out of the high school yeah. and and you uh partly because you were worried about yeah. know, legal complications from dating a girl a couple youngers a couple yeah. of years younger yeah did did you know that you were doing something that maybe you shouldn't be doing at that time or
1: I did not know that. No. no, I didn't. I had no clue. I thought that I was as long as I was still under eighteen, I was okay.
0: Because you considered yourself a minor, right? mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. And it, every state is different, of
1: course. Yeah, and I so I didn't know that. So, yeah, we just thought it was best that I drop out of school and then uh, enroll into a, a military uh, school program that was in Dillon, Montana, mm-hmm. which was uh, a few a uh, few hours south. Um, and so. The next opening was like six or seven, eight months down the road. So I just dropped out of school, got a full-time job bagging groceries, and just waited till then. Hmm. So
0: enrolled in a military school and got my GED that way. What was that experience like? I'm guessing the military school was a little bit of a change. It
1: was. It was a complete culture shock. Like I had no idea what I was getting myself into. Mm-hmm. I thought it was just going to be like a boarding school where you just go to school get your education yeah. but you know kind
0: of the, the, the discipline and the expectations in a, a military type school are going to be a little bit different than they are in a public high yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> i so i mean we,
1: we spend like up at the up at like five o'clock in the morning mm-hmm. you know you're working out um you know making sure like your common areas are scrub clean and your beds are made and structure and the discipline that comes with it and so it was huge culture shock at seventeen. <laughs> I bet. I bet. <laughs>
0: but did you have second thoughts?
1: <laughs> I did. I think well so well the the first like two or three weeks was kinda like a um kinda like a pre basic training. We mm-hmm. slept in barracks on bunk beds and these run down little shacks and just played out in the dirt and just worked out for probably about two or three weeks straight push-ups and all kinds of stuff so yeah i wasn't ready for it yeah but it was kind of a boot camp literally that's what it was yeah (laughs) it was was definitely boot camp yeah but so So how long did you stay there uh i think i was there i think seven months i think six or seven months Mm -hmm.
0: then you finished Mm -hmm. Mhm.
1: yeah i graduated the program um And then came back uh, to Great Falls, Montana and uh, didn't really have a direction of where I was going. Now I'm an adult. I'm 18 now with my GED and didn't really know where I was going to go. Didn't really think about applying to college or what I was going to do for a living. Um, Did
0: Did you stop smoking weed when you were at military school?
1: Yeah, yeah, I had, yeah. You had
0: had a little bit of clean time, or were you you
1: drinking a little bit? Well, no, so you lived on site. You weren't allowed to leave, so the whole time I was 100% clean, clean, yeah. Okay. Okay. Except for we had a a weekend pass, I think, in November for Thanksgiving, and (laughs) went and partied off, ended up in the hospital that night, and then... What the what what the fuck? By the <laughs> way,
0: what, what what do you what do you mean? You ended up in the hospital. You, I think you know. it was
1: yeah. It was the night before I had to go back to to. Uh, Did you get a little alcohol
0: poisoning or something? No,
1: I I came home pissed drunk and and got into a fight with my with my stepdad. Oh, and oh, broke a beer bottle over my head and was freaking out
0: and. He broke a beer bottle over your head. No, I broke a beer bottle over my own head. Oh, you. <laughs> <laughs> so. Yeah. I'll show you. I mean, yeah, oh, yeah. try
1: to show some aggression, but... uh uh-huh. um, Yeah, he ended up calling the, the cops and the ambulances, and mm-hmm. they took me to the hospital and kept sti- me.
0: Yeah, you yeah, had yeah, some... Sti- you need some stitches?
1: No, just left a really nasty bruise. Okay.
2: But...
0: But were you? They were. Were they observing you for concerns about I, mental health? Then, yeah. You know, to
1: be honest with you, I really don't remember. They
0: wonder if they thought this was maybe sort of a self harm kind of thing.
1: I think it was just more of a detox. Keep him here until he sobers up, uh-huh. and then they took me straight from the hospital to back to uh, Dylan for school. Yeah. So yeah, that was my last night there, hmm. and then yeah. So. But uh, yeah. So I didn't know really where I was going.
0: You always just go big when you go. I and do, I, and I know that'll be a theme th- throughout this story a little bit. Yeah, when you go, you go big. Yeah, yeah. If I'm gonna go out, I know. Let me know some stories.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's yeah. Hopefully, I'm trying to change that, but <laughs>
0: <laughs> I'd say so. <laughs> <Definitely>. <laughs> we're getting there. Though. Yeah, we're
1: getting there. But uh, so yeah, uh, my stepdad, uh, and my mom kind of threw in the towel when i came back i think i was back for maybe about six weeks and i was right back to doing the same thing i was doing before was you know partying with my friends all Mm -hmm. hours of the night and they said you got to move out or join the military and so i decided to join the military and go that route i thought it'd be the best for me i was already in shape already knew what to expect um
0: you knew the kind of discipline it took already. You had yeah. kind of been through some type of boot camp. Yeah. Um, maybe a little bit different. I don't know if you had arms training. You know? No,
1: we didn't have anything like that in military school. Yeah. but So
0: I, I went that route. I thought it was best,
1: even though I, Which I didn't. Which branch
0: did you go into? I don't remember. Army. Army. Okay.
1: Yeah. Went into the infantry, um, and I loved it. It was probably the best job I ever had. It was, it was a blast. I you loved. like
0: discipline you like those yeah. institutions that kind of yeah. have very narrow boundaries right? yeah so I, I, I excel in those
2: yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> but it, it was fun you know I gotta you know the weapons gotta you know blow stuff up mm. shoot stuff and mm-hmm. so it was It was there was a lot of excitement that, that came along so it was mm-hmm. very rewarding for me mm-hmm. um, but I yeah I, I liked uh, the whole military thing but that's where I went from there
0: how long were you in the military?
1: Uh, two years. I um, well, two and some change. I uh, got out with a um, a general under honorable conditions, so it wasn't honorable. Um, again, I was partying a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, the atmosphere uh, in the barrack life, um, is a constant party, 24/7, with no rest. Right. So, I, I was what you we, you would call um. I wasn't a garrison soldier i was a field soldier so if you know he put me out in the field for training or you know any kind of Uh training missions we would do uh, i would excel in there but um, as soon as it came back to being out of the field and in the garrison is where i'd
0: you know go out and go big right
1: and so i'd party a lot and
0: well, weren't you? You were though um, part of like more of a peacekeeping missions too, that kind of thing, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I
1: did that. No, I did that over in Kosovo. Oh. Um, I was there for about six months um, in Kosovo. So we were in a, a, a outpost called OP Power, in um, a little town called Sernika, outside, Cernika. Of, yeah, outside of Macedonia, um, and. Stayed there the whole time. We didn't really, didn't really hang out in the cities. Um, it was just a rural little town, uh, split between the uh, Serbians and the. Was um, it like Serbians and the Czechs or something like that? It was that, the. Uh, and it's, it's slipping me. But there was two. Oh, I can't remember the name of it. Um. I
0: can't remember. But the two factions, and, and the, yeah. is where they they were racially,
1: so they were living together in, yeah. inside this little city. So they had like two mayors, and
0: you know. but ra- they were racially divided, which was yeah, part probably. of the the conflict that was going on over yeah. there. Which is why you got, probably were over there. I'm guessing. I mean,
1: yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. So we we stayed up at you know on the outpost up there in mm-hmm. the middle of the town, and just kind of ran our sectors, and you know just kind of kept the peace between the two sides
0: and as much as possible yeah. right yeah yeah <laughs> so it was it was, not, it was not allowed to draw a weapon <laughs> no no i guess it's, except in defense or something like
1: that yeah yeah i mean unless you like broke curfew or did something out of line then yeah we we you know a couple of times go yeah. kick in doors and stuff and arrest people and Baltimore. so you,
0: you were there for a while and then and then uh did you come right back to the states or did you stay over there after your your time
1: uh no i so i came back we came back in uh i think december of 2000 2001 i believe mm-hmm. yeah 2001 so just came back to the states and um picked up where i left off partying and well, actually i got caught drinking in kosovo and that was a field grade article fifteen, and so I didn't really. Still, was partying even when I wasn't supposed to. What so. was what was that common over there though? I mean, for I not mean, for soldiers, not for soldiers. You can't drink on deployment, whatsoever. So, they have a rule like if uh, you know you're invited into somebody's house and they offer you a drink, you know you're supposed to decline the first time. They ask a second time, you are allowed to have one, but no no more than that. Mm-hmm. But yeah, you're not supposed to have anything at mm. all while you're over there. While you're deployed,
0: yeah. But when you're on leave, you supposedly can. Yeah, it's well, not like yeah. a mash outfit out of you know. Yeah. You know, in Korea, where I yeah. mean, I'm thinking, you know, I'm, I'm using an extreme <laughs> <example>. Yeah. But <laughs> they have their own stills in the in the captain's quarters. Yeah. Over. No, we didn't have
1: that. Nothing like that. But you know, if you if you had like, so we we went on a, a two day pass to Bulgaria, mm-hmm. um, and we were allowed to drink over there. Yeah. And then come back and, you know, go back to work. But that was it. Okay. okay. But, yeah, we, we convinced a little kid to go buy us alcohol because we were stuck at this church for two, let's see, three nights. And so we decided to drink one night and
0: got in trouble for that. That didn't go down so well, I guess. I did.
1: No, that one got me into a lot of trouble. But, yeah, but, yeah I it came back to the States and just kind of, yeah, like I said, picked up where I left off. We partied a lot, and then at this time, were you
0: back to Montana then?
1: Oh no, no. So I'm still in the military. Okay. Yeah, still in the military. Uh, where and, were you stationed uh, at? Uh, Fort Stewart, Georgia. Okay. Yeah. So I. Oh, that's where Georgia comes
0: in. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay.
1: Yep. Yeah. 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 So I was yeah I was stationed there until 2003. Hmm. Uh, I got out, and then I I still lay, I st- I stayed in Savannah for. About another three, four years or so. Man.
0: Savannah is quite a beautiful town. I love it there. It's just gorgeous. I yeah. love it. I went yeah. there last... And the culture is incredible. It's, I
1: think. It, it's a paradise for me. I love it down there. It's so green and just... Yeah, it's... it's. I went down there just this last September and spent a week down there. And, Did you? Yeah. Still good because my, my daughter still lives there. Right. So, yeah. But I spent a week down there and I try to go back at least once a year.
0: So um obviously you uh you have a kid there so I'm guessing you uh got married or at least let lived together with mm-hmm. someone for a while or
1: Yeah so I yeah I got married and had a had a my daughter and uh how old is she now she's 10 wow she's getting big yeah she's real. she's tall and gymnastics the whole nine so yeah it's a good good little thing but So yeah I was married and for I don't know, I think four years, I mm-hmm. think, and then got a divorce and split up. And was the
0: the drinking part of that, or?
1: Yeah, yeah. So the yeah the drinking and the drug use yeah it fueled the uh, the divorce.
0: Besides, so were you at this point using other drugs besides marijuana? Um, no, at this
1: and point, alcohol. yeah, just I no I because we I kind of outgrew probably. When i became an adult i think when i turned about 18 i was like this is
0: not my thing so yeah. you, uh, i'm always surprised how how i mean i hear that story a lot from people yeah um that that sort of marijuana wasn't d- yeah. didn't become something they they took into adulthood yeah which i pretty, find fascinating nowadays because some of that culture's definitely changed with yeah. The decriminalization, legalization of marijuana, whether medically or recreationally. Yeah. Um. There seems to be a, it's and it's obviously not a large, large group of people because, the the abuse rates haven't increased really at all. Yeah. You know, in all over the country, um, age wise anyway. Um, you know, there were, that was one of the big worries about legalizing marijuana was there was going to be this. You know, all of a sudden, there are going to be people everywhere using it, yeah. you know. And, lo and behold, yeah, did
2: not happen.
1: Yeah, I don't... I mean, <laughs> there's still... Yeah, there's a small group, I think, of adults who still yeah. do, but I don't think it's as big and as popular as they expected it would be. Yeah. I mean, even now, if, you know, Utah would go to recreation, I don't think I would. I mean, yeah. maybe if I had cancer or something, maybe I would. But, I mean, I don't think even... And that just doesn't appeal to me. Yeah, yeah.
0: well, it's. I, I mean, it depends if it uh, you can treat a medical condition. Yeah. With it, that would be less invasive or harmful to your body. Then it it may be an option. I yeah. Mean, that's that. That seems to be the the more of the the healthier way to look at it. it yeah. From my point of view, so.
1: Yeah. Yeah, if it was for health reasons, I probably would. But, yeah. you know, for for fun and recreation, it's not my thing. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, a lot of people would think that it would be. Right. No, I understand. It, yeah. I do. I do
2: understand.
0: Yeah.
1: It's not. Not my. So not you
0: you, uh, you you were married. For, how long did you say? I'm sorry. I think four years. About four years. Yeah. yeah. You guys split up and some problems with yeah. the alcohol use. Yeah, I things.
1: got another DUI, and that was the the final straw. Mm-hmm. And so.
0: Did we, you know you had a problem yet by then, or did you think you did? I guess is the better question.
1: I think. Uh, I think it was, I think I had an issue with it. I don't think I recognized it as a real problem. Okay. I don't think okay. I admitted it to myself yet. Okay. I don't think I admitted that until probably 20, probably twenty fifteen. Okay. So years okay. recently, but.
0: So did you, when is it that you made this transition from after the, the marriage? To, you eventually made it back to Utah at some point, I'm guessing.
1: Well, she she divorced me while I was here. I oh. was actually here going to welding school. Oh, okay. And I was had uh, intentions to to going back. I was only going to be here in Salt Lake for a few months, mm-hmm. and then I was going to move back to Savannah. And um, when she decided to divorce me while I was here, I just ended up staying. Just okay. Never went back. Okay. So.
0: And you, you, you and your daughter stayed in touch. I mean. Yeah. 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 And uh, you, you've been a. Uh, yeah, the uh, the uh, responsible dad, so to speak, you know, mm-hmm. yeah, taking care of your <laughs> responsibilities as, yes, yeah, as, as far as uh, taking care of your child, do as much as I can,
1: yeah, you know, right now it's uh, more of a financial assistance, um, you know, right school clothes and birthdays sure. and Christmases and yeah, you know, make sure she's, you know, got it, she doesn't go without,
0: right. so. Yeah, but what I'm saying is, you you take care of what you can.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. and you know we, we we Skype and we talk, and mm-hmm. then you know we set it up on Facebook Messenger, not Facebook, but just the messenger, so me and her can mm-hmm. can write and talk to each other that way too. So yeah, we we have a pretty good relationship. Yeah. But.
0: Um. So. You do you you well. You've been doing welding as long as I've known you, which you know. Yeah. But so I'm, I'm guessing you you went into that. And well,
1: I, sta- I started doing it when I lived in Colorado because I lived in Colorado briefly um, for about three years, mm-hmm. and so I started getting involved with welding uh, around two day. Uh, see, around 2006, mm-hmm. and then I just never was marketable because I didn't have like enough training or mm-hmm. you know so. I came out here and go to school so I could be more marketable. Something I wanted to pursue. Sure, I've been doing it for about 12, 12 years or yeah. so. Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah.
0: Okay. So when when uh, when did things begin to
1: go downhill? Yeah, for the worst.
0: Yeah. When when did things start to get a little tenuous for you?
1: I think uh, they started. I think they. I think the beginning of it was probably in 2010 when I got my divorce. Mm-hmm. I think that was um, the beginning of the fall. Um, that's when I, you know, started. I got into meth for a little while. Mm-hmm. Um, for probably about two and a half years, solid. I was smoking at least four or five times a week, um, staying up for weeks Days at a time. Yeah, weeks at a
0: time. Yeah. I've done. I think nine days straight. Yeah, that's that's madness. That's that's into the psychosis zone.
1: Yeah, I was definitely losing my mind at that point. Yeah. Um, But yeah, I think when I started getting involved with that, you know, I would drop from about 190 to 130 pounds in about six weeks, Um, and I maintained that weight for uh, about a year and a half or so, Mm. and then I. Was still drinking a lot at that at that point too until mm-hmm. I you know met my my now wife um, when I met her I stopped, I stopped uh, doing drugs mm-hmm. and just mainly just was drinking um, and then that just progressively just went downhill mm-hmm. further and further mm-hmm. um, and then I think in 2015 me and my uh, me and my wife's uh, split up for about nine months and I think I had no responsibilities and you know, I had a high-paying job lived by myself
0: um were you able to then you were able to maintain your 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 job at this point even though yeah yeah even I, though you were really struggling
1: yeah and I was with that company for about two and two years a little over two years mm-hmm. and you know I was I was breaking you know the hundred thousand dollar mark and you know i was able to take trips and you know still make my mortgage payments but at the same time i was down in about a half gallon of vodka in about a five hour period and still maintaining but
0: that's wild it's that's a lot of alcohol
1: i don't even know how
0: yeah
1: i really don't I really don't.
0: <laughs> <laughs> how, how, how the hell did I drink? I I don't right. know how I didn't die. A handle die. of vodka yeah. in yeah. five hours. I mean, and and be able to function at all, right? Yeah. Most people would be in alcohol poisoning, right? So, but to have, to have that type of tolerance. Yep.
1: Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I was able to. You know, I'd go to work, but I would be sick. Yeah. Um, you know, throwing up and dry heaving and stuff, but I still managed to get my work done and. Uh-huh. So I kept the boss off me for a little while. But and I, you know I worked independently, so I didn't have to work around other people and no one was around smelling me or mm-hmm. you know as long as my my quota was met and mm-hmm. I got the jobs done, I was
0: pretty much left alone.
1: Mm-hmm. So I didn't really have accountability or
0: no one to answer to. Mm-hmm. But well that must have changed at some point then.
1: Yeah, when I I, went, I I actually showed up for work, hung over, and they finally caught me. Mm-hmm. And so they had their own clinic on site, and so I had to go in there and do the breathalyzer and mm-hmm. the whole thing. And just like that, out of a job. And
0: They fired you or they put you on leave? They put me on leave
1: until they had a, a reassessment. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think for like the next two or three days, I just went went big,
0: But well, yeah, because or else you would have been, had detox, and yeah. at that level of alcohol, yeah, um, you would have to have medical detox because the the issue with you know or the concerns about seizures were so high, yeah, yeah,
1: and that's that's where I was at. I went to detox, and then that's when I started talking to Wasatch and hmm. get involved with what I needed to do next to try and get healthy again, so hmm. Yeah, that was the first step, you know, to my time at Wasatch. Yeah, so that was a
0: that started out. I mean, as as a pretty healthy, you know, choice. And but you had mm-hmm. some bumps along the way.
1: Yeah, yeah. I going because I went through Wasatch twice, and it it took me it took me several tries to to, to get it right. Mm-hmm. Um, I wasn't like some of these people who come through and you know they're able to get it there our first go, and they take off from there. I was try testing the water, see what I can get away with. And
0: well, I remember you showing up to IOP with a certain faint odor of uh, yeah, <laughs> I think it was vodka in the air. Probably, but I, but I, I, don't, I don't remember. <laughs> it most likely was <laughs> most likely. Yeah, vodka. but also tragedy. I mean, that was a that was a hard time because uh, somebody, both you and I. I mean, you. Obviously we're much closer because this was a friend of yours that yeah. you guys moved out together if I remember.
1: Yeah, yes. Yeah. So he moved in he moved in with me the day after I left. So I left
0: Oh, that's right. It was your place. Mhm. That's yeah. right. I had okay. My I own forgot apartment that part. Right. Yeah.
1: So I had my apartment and then I left Wasatch and uh I think it was in February and then the following day, um, he discharged and moved in with me. Mhm. So
0: which was not advised by the way of course it wasn't
1: <laughs> but in my in my head I I, I knew better and you did I, no no one yeah I knew better but yeah. no one could tell me right so yeah but yeah I was eventually it it uh led to hit, to him passing away we were you know using together he uh I would I enabled him to you know mm-hmm. You know, go pick up his heroin, and mm-hmm. I would drink, and we you know we uh slammed a few times together and um, was that
0: the first time you used heroin with, with
1: uh yeah i was never I never was an i v user yeah. at all um, I had heroin that was like laced in with ecstasy and stuff like that, but
0: okay nothing like but nothing you, you, i mean no so this is the first time you've you used iv I mean, first time you shot up and yeah. the first time you probably just used heroin as a a drug
1: yep, oh, as okay. itself, yep. yeah as itself yeah 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 i used it i think i i did it twice with him, and quickly realized it wasn't my thing mm-hmm. i didn't i didn't really enjoy it so
0: mm-hmm. um and he uh
1: but just by me you know enabling it you know it I guess you could say like reactivated his 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 own issues um, so he was going off and picking up by himself again and you know um, and it just led to him to o d in my apartment yeah um,
0: and that's really one of the biggest concerns when people go back to using mm-hmm. is in that first week or two is the chance of overdose is so high
2: mm-hmm
1: yeah. yeah, I think it took him. Um, it was about six weeks.
0: Six weeks. hmm
1: And I think at this point is when fentanyl started getting a little more and more.
0: That's true. That fentanyl yeah. was becoming to get at least here in Utah. Yeah, it was at that to, point starting to pick
1: up a little bit more.
0: And we're so. looking a little over three years ago, and mm-hmm. there was more and more fentanyl um, yeah. being laced into th- different substances here. So
1: I th- I think that's you know we probably got them, but. Yeah, um, and I I don't think because normally he would you know mix it with coke or something, but mm-hmm. I think I think at that point he was just using mm-hmm. straight black. Mm-hmm. So, but I just led to him passing away, and so for you know a long time, um, you know I, I held myself accountable and responsible. I felt like uh, I was the one who you know uh basically helped him kill himself mm-hmm. so it was I think at that point i was i think I was a little bit lost, yeah, of kind of where I
0: well and shame filled oh yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. especially if you think that that we're you know we're responsible for someone else's choices yeah especially, I mean, that that gets to be a dark place,
1: yeah, especially you know if a
0: friend you
1: know just.
0: It put me in a bad. Well, and in your in your apartment too. I mean, mm-hmm. that that can be the 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 friend too. But you you g I mean you got to you yeah. got to live there. I mean, you don't have to, but you live there, and that's your space. And yeah, you know, to have that happen.
1: Yep. So. And it was it it was tough. I I, I ended up uh, moving back in with with my wife and didn't stay another night there. I, I just it was too hard for me to even be in that apartment so mm-hmm.
0: probably a, a good decision actually yeah
1: yeah, yeah cuz i probably would have died too
0: <laughs> yeah yeah and 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 you came back to treatment then yeah i think about a month uh,
1: about a, maybe 2 months later i came back yeah um you know it took me going back out a couple more times mm-hmm. I just got, i got another
0: dui and then <laughs> It, would that be number three or was <laughs> that was number four that was number four that was number four <laughs> yeah, yeah so <laughs> the, the, so yeah. I mean I know we, we laugh about this and it's yeah. really fucked up and I I don't, don't you know you know but it's like what it takes for somebody you know to kind of go what the fuck am I doing you
1: know yeah. it's like now how am I going to get out of this Yeah, you know, and, and it's just because I've done it so many times and just I know what it's like to try and get your license back and just it's it's hard it's not easy and it's and you really have to buckle down and start getting your life straight. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, I, actually, I guess yeah, so I ended up in jail. And I think the following day after getting out of jail, I went back into Wasatch and um, went in for another 30 days and started, started to do a little bit more, but still wasn't done. I wasn't there yet. It took me. I had a, I guess, that false what they call it a fallacy or whatever. I had this false premonition or whatever that money would make everything better.
0: Right, right. Um, or magical thinking, yeah. But yeah. it's that, that type of thing, a false premise that yeah, you know this I'll be able to handle these kinds of things if this <clears> is in place. It's the the yeah. real problem is is money, or the real problem is a relationship, or the real problem is the job I'm working. Yeah. You know.
1: And so that's what I was. At. Okay, now I got a DUI. I got to have the money to, you know, get all these things that I want to get my life back together. And mm-hmm. so I took a job in St. George and um, still doing the same thing. You know, I, I think when I took the job in St. George, I was four months clean and then took that job. You know, another $100,000 job and, you know, making good money. And then...
0: if I remember you were supposed to do I- IOP down there
1: yeah i was yeah. i was
0: <laughs> did, don't i don't think you made
1: that to made i to, made it yeah. to the consultation <laughs> <You did. Okay. laughs> that's about it <laughs> uh, yeah but i never never made it into sober living i never uh never made it to one iop group down there mm-hmm. uh yeah at that point i was already going through about a fifth of night and then got involved with meth again um and I was clean off of meth for four years. Got back into that, and then. Were you th- surprised that you you
0: went back to that after? Your last. I experience? was more
1: surprised that I was, I, w- I wasn't surprised I went back to meth. I was surprised that I went to meth and I was, using an IV. I was I started slamming.
0: No. Oh. So. Because you had just you had been smoking before,
2: mm-hmm.
1: right? Okay. Yeah. All right. And so when I started slamming, that's. Yeah, that was kind of the eye opener, um, but I wasn't surprised about going back to math
0: because it was. But, 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 but I mean, you're, you're dealing with this tragedy that that you had been through. I mean, you know, there's, there's multiple tragedies in, in your story, but this of, of losing. Actually, you know, this was a this was a close friend, somebody who you cared about deeply, um, and you know, someone that you know you you were kind of. Mm-hmm. Partners in crime, or at least partners in recovery for a while, too. Yeah. But then, you know, mm-hmm. partners in use as well. And, and, you know, and then you had this concern and, and fear and, and shame around that I'm responsible for this person's decisions, which isn't uncommon under the yeah. circumstances. Even though I know today you know that that's irrational. It doesn't change the fact that that's maybe the way I feel. Yeah. Right? That you, you can explain it to me as rationally as you want to but i feel like i'm carrying this wonky this weight on my back yeah. you know like this huge burdens going with me and i know you did some work on that but i i don't think you, you fully had had processed it probably by the time you were you know back in back in the saddle again so to speak yeah. uh, in saint george so then the guilt i mean i'm just I'm i'm, I'm talking out loud here but imagining the guilt and the shame that was coming up then back to IV use so Mm -hmm. that would just feel like his compound the burden of um shame no I I remember feeling like
1: I I, at that point I really did not care if I lived or died I mean I remember I I I really do remember that feeling Mm -hmm. of like Having that mentality, if tonight's the night, I mean, if, it was almost like every single time I, I shot up, mm-hmm. it was like if tonight's the night. Okay,
0: I'm okay with it. Yeah. Yeah. So there, there was a as, as crazy as that sounds. There was sort of a, a resolution. Yeah. That you know, if this is it, this is it. You know. And I was okay with it. I'll take I take responsibility yeah. for that. You yeah. know, I, I get that. I get that.
1: Yeah. And it, and it was, it was slowly becoming a comfortable place, mm-hmm. where it I, I did not care. Mm-hmm. Um and it was yeah like you said the burden the weight yeah.
0: on my shoulders and it, it it weighed on me a lot and then well you know there's a difference in that in, I mean there's I've hear people talk about that place a lot and I also hear people talk about that place when they are sober and they have other problems like you know maybe they have you know um medical conditions or things like that mm-hmm. and they feel that same peace like I'm okay I accept that you know I don't know how much time I've... Of course, nobody yeah. knows, but it's almost like a resolution. The problem with the darker side of that is often hope and faith are gone. Yeah. And and we completely. don't have... And there's no resolve, you know, to to, to take care of ourselves. And that, that feeling of hopelessness and worthlessness just sinks down. Really. Yeah. yeah. And it's...
1: Yeah, so that's where it was at. And then it wasn't until... The one night I... I I I can't remember how much I drank but and then I I slammed a couple times and I remember we were, I was getting ready to drive to Vegas with a with a friend of mine to go pick up some more and I made it about 20 minutes into the trip and I was like I can't do this take me back home and and hmm. I went back and I
0: went you, to sleep you knew yeah you knew in that moment
1: I I woke up the next morning and I was, I, I don't, I don't, I mean, I don't even know how to put it into words. That mm-hmm. I, I was in complete shock that I was still alive. Like I thought that that was the night that mm-hmm. I was, you know, gonna die. Mm-hmm. And so that next morning, I was. That's when it kind of, kind of hit me that I need to start making some changes because that was a little too close. Yeah. So.
0: So some clarity. Um, um, some yeah. clarity started to set in. Yeah. But it, it, uh, the initiation to tell your friend to turn the you know the car around. Mm-hmm. You also had a feeling then too. You maybe that was that was a lifeline you were throwing yourself initially. Yeah. And then the next and then that you woke up the next morning, feeling, I'm I'm, I'm I'm still here. Somehow. Yeah. Somehow I'm still here.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Man, so that was the beginning of my road to like recovery yeah. was at that moment and it wasn't easy but i think like you know we, we talk about todd and his the choices you make right. um and that's what it initially came down to was you know doing the work and actually making some solid choices and and that was the beginning of of me to where i am now mm. so just yeah Somehow I made it this far.
0: (laughs) (laughs) You're so full of shit. Somehow I made it this far. I love it. You're awesome. (laughs) So I I will remind you a couple things, (laughs) which you already know this, but you really made a change to... Get involved in community and and connect to people. Yeah, I mean, and and you and my, you know, my experience was you also um, decided to do things differently as far as you know your relation. You weren't married at the time, but you also mm-hmm. decided to do things differently when it came to your relationship. Yeah, you know, and yeah. uh, and and I don't know if this is the best word. It may be the worst word, but almost kind of surrendering to the idea of. If I'm, I don't know if this is the, you know, going to work out or not. But if I don't give it my all, I'm not going to find out, kind of thing. Yeah, is how I felt. About, yeah, about that.
1: Pretty much, it's how it to make the changes and actually put forth the effort, whereas before I think I like the idea, uh-huh. but I didn't want to do what I had to do. Yeah, and you know, like I was. Terrified of marriage. I, that was something I I didn't want to do. Um,
0: well, it's a commitment. <laughs> yeah, and I struggled with that.
1: I struggled a lot with commitment. And, you know, being committed to, you know, working in recovery or staying committed to, you know, working out my relationships with my wife. Mm-hmm. It's, yeah, it's taken me a couple turns to actually put forth the effort and, yeah. you know, commit to things. So...
0: Well, and and then the other part is engaging in a community because the community was already there. Yeah. But that's what I remember is, you know, making that decision, right? Actively saying, I'm going to become part of this community. Yeah.
1: And that was where I built my foundation Mm. and which helped me, you know, succeed in recovery. Mm. Um, it, It pretty much started with, that foundation of the people who I surrounded myself with in the community um like you know Brady or Shoddy or you know just these people who I've been friends with through these past few years and Mm -hmm. we've seen each other fall we've seen each other get back Mm -hmm. up and we're we're always there you know when we need each other Mm -hmm. you know um and you know even going out and like me and Brady go on motorcycle rides, or you know, we we'll right. all get together and go to movies or play poker right, or something. Right, right, yeah. You know, softball. There's a million outlets that that we that we do together, and that was, like I said, the foundation of the the community that helped me.
0: Well, in, in creating multiple layers of healthy social connections. Yeah. You know, getting together with friends in an evening, whether it's barbecuing or whatever yeah. it is. And or, you know, softball or volleyball or I mean, pick, you know, but even just in social occasions, getting together, you know, and, and doing it sober and doing it with sober friends yeah. and and making that making that the place where I connect and I create my community to which allows me to build upon. I always this idea, Stephen, has always been, I think, so powerful. This idea, you, can, you know, addiction is separation from community separate is disconnection, right? Disconnection from self. Mm-hmm. You know, which is, you know, which is by part of that story when you tell it of, you know, you know, heading to Vegas and in the car. Uh-huh. And when I when you tell me that story and you've told it to me before, but I really have this sense of in that moment, you chose Stephen. Yeah. When you said, take me back. Yeah. I mean, just think of those words. Take me back home. And that's uh-huh. like, I chose Stephen. In that moment, I mean, I'm not trying to be over dramatic about this, but that's, that's, I feel that that's those, there are those moments where we go, I need to choose something different. I need to do something different on some level. And that's what I've always heard in that story.
1: I never looked at it like that. That was, that was pretty deep. (laughs) Yeah. yeah, sorry.
0: (laughs) Sorry. with That was good. That was good shit. Yeah. But but that's how I've always felt when you've told me that story is, that i I want Stephen, I mean I want to connect with Stephen, yeah. I want to be that person you always knew it was there, yeah, you just had been self medicating and numbing that, and that creates something but disconnection within us, and from that you 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 built that- you know built on the connection I I've talked about how you connected to community, but i think it's also we learn to connect with ourselves who yeah. we really are our authentic self yeah whatever there is.
1: you go Our yeah. authentic self Yeah. our absolutely. true self yeah
0: i like i think of it as like a true north within us you know yeah do you know kind of what i mean yeah like absolutely there's, there's some sense of um when our compass lines up with the you know where we're supposed to be and what we're supposed to be doing we can feel that that mm-hmm. sense
1: yeah yeah that was that was spot on yeah, yeah, that's that was cool. Good, that was good shit. That's cool
0: stuff. Yeah, that's. <laughs> no, cool. But but yeah. I can see it because I see you. I mm-hmm. mean, and you know that's the gift that that you know. You know, I was mentioning to you before we started. That's part of the reason why we do this podcast is to share those stories because I think everyone everyone can relate to that. Yeah, making that turn towards self. You know, and I think it's such a your story so beautiful on that level.
1: That was. That was. It was definitely the turning point for sure.
0: Yeah, it's pretty cool stuff.
1: Yeah, because I think at that point is when I, like we were saying, put in that the effort and commitment. Um, you know, did six months sober living. Mm-hmm. Um, IOP every single night. Yeah. yeah. Um, but that, I mean, don't get me wrong. I mean, there were times I woke up in the middle of the night in cold sweats, rubbing my veins. Mm-hmm. You know, wanting a shot, and mm-hmm. and I powered through it. I mean, trust me. There was many nights where I thought about going to pick up. Yeah. And, but I, I made that that commitment. To, yeah. To turn it around and. You know, now I'm at a position where I can help. You, you know, help people. others. Yeah. 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 So.
0: You show up. You show up for other people. Yeah. 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 Almost. Well, I'll say every day. Yeah. In some form or another. Try to yeah yeah. I <laughs> yeah. My oh well, my brother yeah, my okay. brother. <laughs> I'm gonna say fuck you just for a moment okay because you know there's no trying so yeah. I'm, I'm gonna say, you know another Toddism or Paulism or whatever you want to say there there's there's being and doing right yeah so
1: well, I, I I you know I, I try to show up for my brother almost every day you yeah. know we we talk a lot yeah we have the closest relationship we've had in years yeah. so yeah I'm in a, that position where I help him. So. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Well, and, you know, there are plenty of people in the recovery community that you touch, mm-hmm. too, on a daily basis, yep. just from doing what you do and, and being part of the organization and the extension of that into the community. Um, it, uh, to me, that's what that's what that's the sort of the, the feed, you know, the spiritual, if you want to call it feed. Yeah, that's how we fuel our spiritual sense. Yeah. yeah. True. All right. Very true. So, uh, you want to want to move on and check, ask you a few questions and uh, shoot. We'll kind of wind our way through this? Yeah. Shoot. Okay. Um, w- one of the things um, I was interested in, in your thoughts on this um, this this idea of uh, do do uh, people have an it's maybe a setup question for you, so I'll be, I'll be honest. With that, but you know, do, do, do you do you believe in free will or not? Do you believe that that human beings have the ability to make a choice for themselves, or do you believe that our our behaviors are generally overall predictable? And you know, we don't really have that sense of. Uh, I think when you are,
1: I hate to use the word addiction, but when you are in your addiction, mm-hmm. I I think. You lack the free will, mm-hmm. I think you are a little more uh, codependent
2: mm-hmm.
1: um, but I think once you kind of break through that barrier mm-hmm. um, and maybe like me, where I had that moment of clarity mm-hmm. where it was like that's when I started making the choice of free will uh-huh. of being able to to do it, yeah you know i I think. I think I would say yes
0: yeah well and, and maybe another way of looking at it based upon what you're saying is and um, I think this is true too is that we bond with something throughout life we, we always have choices right? Yeah. what we're gonna bond with and it, at times in my life I, I bonded with some chemicals hmm you know I yeah I I'm fully you know aware that I created this relational bond with these substances um, and that became the focus of my life. Yeah, absolutely. And, and so, during that time, I will, I will still say, even though it didn't always feel like I did all that willingly, I always knew I had the choice. Yeah, what I was bonding with. Yeah,
1: and that's yeah, that's yeah, for better words, yeah, that's yeah. exactly how. Yeah.
0: And well, and that's the same. You know, it's like you, you made that choice to turn the car around, right? Yeah, and that's like I'm choosing. I don't want to bond with that anymore. Yeah, I've, that doesn't work for me. So yep. I'm going to look for some other bonds.
1: So yeah, 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 I would think the choice of free will absolutely does exist. Yeah, I mean, you have the choice. Like, yeah, but I think yeah, you when you're when you're bonded with it, um, I think it. Um. I guess. Doesn't help you make the best choices.
0: <laughs> no, damn <laughs> addiction yeah, doesn't. Yeah. work. It doesn't matter what you're addicted to; it yeah. don't make good choices. I don't yeah. care if it's a belief system or not. Still, you know, because when when we're addicted to a belief system, is even though a lot of people think that's harmless, it's hard to take new information in that's contrary to that yeah. belief system. You know, it's hard to learn new things because you know we get we get tunnel vision a lot of times. You know,
1: and that's and you know, that's a good way of putting it because. For the better part of my whole life was being fueled with drugs and alcohol, and mm-hmm. never actually experienced life mm. as I do now,
0: yeah. yeah, you know
1: so it's it's almost like a whole new it's a whole new beginning,
0: yeah, exactly so, that's a beautiful way to put it, too. yeah, yeah, a whole new beginning, okay, um I know you know this one uh, what are your thoughts on the uh the victim narrative or the victim stance where Others are to blame for our thoughts, feelings, and behaviors.
1: I, th- I, th- I, think it's a cop out. I think it's, I think it's just another way to keep doing what you want to do without taking any responsibility. I, <laughs> I have played it my whole life. It's a good. That sums it up really <laughs> yeah. well. Yeah. Yeah. You just, it's so easy to push it off onto somebody else, and you don't have to take the accountability
0: right. for your own choices project our our yeah. behaviors and our feelings and our thoughts on somebody else right you're making me go out and use. Right. you make me so mad yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's it's
1: it's so overplayed and people play I mean I, I see it all the time you know working at wasatch and it's mm-hmm. just I uh, just no one's making you do anything
0: yeah true well and seeing people when they're first coming in so yeah that's you, you know, see it a lot you see it a lot and you, and you I mean that is really where the initial, mm-hmm. um, you know, you get to find out how open and teachable people are pretty quickly, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Am there, I willing there's... to? Am I willing to explore my victim narrative? Yeah, which yeah. is really the the task. I think you know one of the initial tasks mm-hmm. to developing a sense of awareness of self.
1: Absolutely, and just I don't know. So when you see some of the clients that come in and you you, you see how they are when they when they come in, and then you see mm-hmm. how they are when they leave, and mm-hmm. you see that change. And their their thought process, you know, maybe they're not a hundred percent yet, but you can start seeing some changes yeah. for the better. Yeah, and you actually have some some hopes for for some of the clients. Mm-hmm. Um, try not to get attached, but there are some.
0: <laughs> there are some, gotta have boundaries, baby.
1: Yeah, there are some where you're just like, I I hope that you're gonna do all right. And there's a couple knucklehead, knuckleheads like me who went through there, and you're like, you know what? <laughs> you're a far
0: far far cry from being helped but you know. doesn't mean people didn't have hope for you though yeah. yeah yeah all right um so how do you how do you find joy in life what 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 are the things that uh, you do what 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 brings you joy
1: there you know it could be simple as sunday afternoon sitting on the couch with my wife hmm. you know it could be something simple like that or you know, going to Savannah. And, you know, spending a week with my daughter. Um,
2: mm.
1: I mean, there's so it's, a, it's a, softball is a huge one um, that was played a big role in my recovery. Um, but I, I mean, you can find joy in just the smallest things, uh-huh. snuggling with my dog or waking up. Right now, I have the pleasure of uh, I'm laid off, and so I only work like uh, the swing shift at Wasatch because so, I kind of sleep in a little bit, but uh-huh. I get to wake up to my dog's face looking up at me every single morning. <laughs> <laughs>
2: you
1: know, his eyes will open the same time as mine. He'll look up and uh-huh. give me a little lick on the face, and yeah. just,
0: you know, just that's that, that's that's joy. I hear some bliss in that. Yeah, I hear mm-hmm. some joy and bliss in that, no doubt. Yeah. Um, do you have any? Any? Is there anyone? You know, when you think of life lessons, is there a mentor or something you learned that kind of sticks out over all the other stuff? Is there anything that, you know, a person or something that they taught you or a life lesson you learned that you think is like one of those things that that created this sense of awareness and a turning point for you?
1: I think it was Todd. And I think it was just a couple of sessions with him or even even Pauly. Mm-hmm. Um the second time I went through I spent almost every single morning with Paulie and just mm-hmm. watching motivational videos. Mm-hmm. Um they were great mentors for me of like the power of choice.
0: Perfect. Yeah.
1: Um and I I I don't want to sound like I don't know cliché or whatever but mm-hmm. you know I I almost feel like I live my life like making the choices. Mm-hmm. Um, because they can define the outcome of, you know what what the next move is going to be. You know, if yeah. you make a good choice, you know something good, you know, going to come from it. You know, yeah. that's going to be your your payoff. You know, if you're going to make a bad choice, okay, you're going to have some repercussions for these negative choices. Yeah. So I think trying to make better choices in in my life, I think would would be it. Yeah. From with yeah, Paulie and Todd have beautiful. really helped me out with
0: beautiful. Okay, um, I call this the Zen Zone. By the way, you know this sort of the space because it's where we get to connect and mm-hmm. get to kind of talk and and share the. The meaning of life, so to speak, <laughs> <laughs> in, in, from our perspective, yeah. right? You know, we get to kind of share that. And as I, I, I said before, we started. You know, one of the things about being a bozo is just kind of always looking in, to, to me the commonality that we all share, because regardless of race, religion, you know, political musings, all that stuff, mm-hmm. there, we we all have much more that's similar or connected than that that's different. Do you know, do you know yeah. what I mean? Um, and that's what I think the, the beauty of community is. When um, it's sort of when the communities get kind of split up, but this being like the Zen zone, and like what what I how I find my my peace and my reconnection to myself. How do you how do you do that? How do you connect to your your Zen zone? Um, that one inside you. I, I just think that no
1: one is different from the next person i think you know we all get separated in life through be like political or mm-hmm. race or whatever it might be in the world mm-hmm. i think when we truly look at each other i think we we're all the same mm-hmm. we might have different views or you know different ideas or
0: different philosophies of yeah that
1: thing, sure. and at the end of the day we all tie our shoes the same way you know we put the <laughs> pants on one leg at a time we all kiss our mom you know we all love the same I don't i I think I think that and like I, I, I get into a lot of political disputes with people
0: and and we do mean <laughs> we you've can, had a, yeah. you and I've had our talks you, yeah you've had but uh, it, it, it doesn't change the way I I yeah, feel ex- or I, exactly. I still care about you in exactly yeah. the same way I always have
1: exactly the same yeah. and I think that in, in the world that we live in today I think it's so easy to divide people
2: mm-hmm.
1: through through stuff like that, and some people might not see the same things that I see, and that's all right. But it doesn't change on how I feel about you, or because, mm-hmm. like I said, at the end of the day, you know, all we have is love for each other. And mm-hmm. mean, if we can just find that common ground, and we're not different.
0: Yeah, we're not different at all. Yeah, all in right. my eyes, <laughs> in your eyes, I I, I like those eyes. All right. Um, this one. Uh, so, in your in your experience, in your life, in your how you view it, what is uh, your ideas or thoughts or beliefs about God, faith, the universe, everything?
1: <laughs> you know, I think I think it's a combination of all. Hmm. To be honest with you. I, you know, I, I grew up Catholic, mm-hmm. so I th- I think I. I, I still find myself that I'm praying, mm-hmm. um, as sometimes, you know, I just throw it out there and just, you know, kind of like I believe in karma.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: So, and cause and effect, lot. Yeah. Okay. So
1: you know, I put that in the universe. You know, mm-hmm. I I don't I don't think that God has anything to do with that. I think that's more of how you treat one another. I think that's just. What comes around goes around. And kind of so, like
0: a universal law of yeah. what you put out comes back. Yeah, so like. I think Go.
1: I put that in the universe. Okay. You know? So I think it's a little bit of a combination of everything. And it, and it makes sense in my life. You mm-hmm. know? Instead of trying to compound it into one thing or one yeah. person or one <laughs> entity or whatever. <laughs> you know?
0: Like there's some guy up on the cloud that's judging you and yeah. deciding what's going to be your fate, so mm-hmm. to speak. Okay. Yeah. You believe it's more of a direct if i'm hearing you correctly yeah more of a direct con- connection with the universe that yeah it's kind of whatever i put out is is at some point going to come back
1: yeah yeah and then when i when i feel like i have a personal you know want or something i get off of my chest you know mm-hmm. I, I find myself that i pray mm-hmm. um i think when i when i lost my friend at wasatch i think i got dis- disconnected with god mm-hmm. i think i kind of abandoned the idea and just was a little pissed off at the world pissed off. <laughs> yeah and so i refused but as time went on i just i realized that it was coming back more and more That okay maybe good things have come out yeah so my yeah. life isn't shit Yeah. you know so yeah. yeah i find myself praying yeah so
0: beautiful yeah all right Alright, so last question. I told you I was gonna ask you this. Um it's about music and um if there were a, a couple songs or one song even or whatever that in some way represents your journey in life or you, you feel are important and has a has a certain meaning or message for you. Is there is there anything that 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 stands out or that if uh
1: hmm. that Trying to remember the one song. I'm trying to Google it right now, and it actually did help me out a lot. So, but I think one that stands out was probably in. And I started listening to Dubstep when when me and my ex wife got divorced. I think mm-hmm. I had a hard time listening to music that had words. Uh-huh. Um, so I started listening to Dubstep. Mm-hmm. So that's a little backstory on why. I started listening to it. Now it's just stuck. Um, but it was a song by Casper called uh, The Setting Sun.
0: The Setting Sun. The
1: setting Sun, yeah. Man, it was just... If you watch the video, um, actually just... I interpreted it to, it, like, go through these trials, and it's, it's really dark. And then, you know, he he finds this stone mm-hmm. <clears throat> and there's people chasing him, trying to get this stone. And it was like the way I interpreted it was like, these demons are chasing after, you know, all my bad habits.
0: Right, yes. These
1: demons are chasing. And when he gets to the edge of this cliff, he sets the stone in place and then the sun rises. Wow. And so it was kind of like, there's the light at the end of the tunnel.
0: And, and new beginnings. Yeah. yeah.
1: Yeah, that one really stuck with me I that's
0: watched a, it. that's a powerful message
1: yeah that's how I interpret it yeah. yeah.
0: No, that's, <laughs> a, that's what I love about music too yeah. I mean you know I you know I, I, there's always that thing well what does that song mean and like it means what it means to you yeah. I mean really it's, that's ultimately because we all have our own filter system but I I, I know the song you're talking about so mm-hmm. um, I, I kind of feel that there's sort of a message like that about yeah about it this new awakening of this new beginning
1: yeah and it was and then yeah at the end of the video the demons aren't there and it's just a new beginning All Right. so it was if anyone gets a chance to watch that video it's helped me a lot
0: <laughs> okay sounds great Th- thank you so much thanks Stephen. So. thanks so much for spending uh, a little Sunday afternoon. Oh, I loved it. With us. this, this has awesome. been a great opportunity yeah. and a great opportunity for our listeners to get to know you a little bit. Um, again, next week, uh, we got the pros from Dover and then uh, Chris McIntosh and hopefully Mandy Murray after that. So we will go out this week as we always do with a little Joan Osborne. Have a great week.